Pleasure Broads. This is Devin. This is Liz. Hi, Liz. Hello. Liz, welcome to our second episode in our Far From Home season. I am happy to be welcome to this and looking forward to whatever you're going to bring me. I have no hints at this point. I did give you a hint a couple of weeks ago, and you had said, like, oh, our very own Somerton man. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah, so okay. if if that jogs your memory. I was I, there for that. You were I'm there for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. No way. I will do a content warning at the very beginning of this because this does talk about a man who died from suicide. So if that's not something that you are wanting to engage with right now, we love you and we will catch you next episode. We actually have a guide to good vibes on yeah. <laughs> the website so you can just go find the happy animal ones yeah. or something like that. No shame in that game. Yeah, no. This is an interesting case. I have read about it many a time, but never felt like it had a very satisfying conclusion. So I didn't bring it to you earlier in the, you know, five years that we've been taping episodes now. I know. I know. know. We started in March 2017. So. Thank God. Okay. I know. So this is a story from the gem state. This is Mm. a story that I'm bringing to you from Boise, Idaho, but it involves a person who we're pretty sure is far from home. Let's start this story with what we do know, because there's going to be about one-third facts and then two-thirds supposition and mystery. Beautiful. Love it. What we know is that on December 4th, 1982, a man walked into the Sacred Heart Catholic Church in Boise, Idaho. Okay. It was about 4.45 at night, And staff were getting ready for, and parishioners were already coming in for the six o'clock mass. Okay, I gotta pause you there for a second. Does 4.45 at night mean a.m. or p.m.? P.m. Okay. Sorry. Yep, you're right. 4.45 a.m. is still dark time. That's kind of what I was thinking, yeah. I'm like, but 4.45 p.m. is afternoon. Yeah, you're right. It's December. (laughs) It's December in Boise, Idaho, my friend. It's been dark for like 20 minutes already. It's still afternoon. It's not. Yeah. Everything is technically afternoon. It's all relative. That's what you should probably say post-meridian, which means afternoon. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say post these nuts. God. (laughs) (laughs) Enjoy my grape-toasted nuts. (laughs) (sighs) It was about 5.45 p.m. in the afternoon... (laughs) Shut up! I'm being a butt. You said something that made no sense. (laughs) I think the context clues were there. I don't know. Do Catholics have mass at 6 a.m.? That's hella early. We have mass at every time. Yeah. I mean, even Moravians have sunrise service. There can be... I mean, you know monks, you know how monks and nuns do? I, there's one for when you wake up, there's one for partway through the morning, there's lunch one, there's afternoon one, there's the Angelus at about six, there's midnight mass, it's a whole thing, it's a whole thing. That place never stops hopping. Well, that's why they call it mass, huh? Because there's a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my You're 
so proud of yourself for that. I could hear it in your voice. <clears throat> I'm incredibly proud of myself for that. I can't keep it out. We're talking about a very serious subject. What we know is that it's December 4th, 1982, and a man walks into the Sacred Heart Church in Boise, Idaho. Now, it's 4.45 p.m. The okay. staff and the parishioners that are there are getting ready for the 6 o'clock mass. And in some articles, it said that the confessional booth was occupied, and in others, it says that the confessionals were not going to open until until mass, until after the service. But what we know is that this man, who was about six foot tall, well-dressed, kind of like an urban cowboy, had sandy blonde hair, he had approached at least one parishioner and asked if he could use the confessional and was told to wait for one reason or another. Mm-hmm. So instead, he knelt in the fifth row of pews, waiting, apparently, for the confessional. About an hour later, just before Mass begins, a 93-year-old parishioner, Grace, sees a man slumped over in the fifth row, goes over to him, and finds that he's cold. He's unresponsive. So Grace... Grace doesn't need this at 93 years old. Grace does not need this, but her family is hardy because she goes and grabs her son, Leo, who we have to assume is in his 70s, but is still an usher for this church. (laughs) Grace grabs her septuagenarian son to be like, I think there's a dead gentleman in this pew. Go get a medic. Her son grabs a third parishioner who's a registered nurse, Virginia. This one, 54 years old. <laughs> yeah. We're just going to just work their way down until we find somebody. Virginia is a registered nurse, and she tries to resuscitate this unknown man until, paretic, until paramedics come and do pronounce this man dead at the scene. Oh, dear. Okay. When they initially found the body, I mean, when God lover Grace is like, there's a man over there that's dead, everybody assumed that this was going to be an elderly gentleman that had passed away Mm -hmm. before service started. Mm -hmm. Not so. He was actually fairly young. The coroner determined that he was 35 to 45 years old. He was this six-foot-tall man that no one in the congregation recognized. He had well-groomed, neat, sandy-colored hair. He was wearing modern Western attire. And he had a really unique turquoise bolo tie, as well as a silver belt buckle that had a 100-peso Mexican coin mounted in it. The picture I'm getting is of a guy who might have stood out just as a stranger to the church, but wouldn't have stood out in Boise in general. I think you're absolutely right. The drawings I've seen of him sound exactly correct. Wouldn't have at all stood out in Boise. He had these unique things, these identifiers, but what he didn't have was any identification. That's what I was about to ask. I'm like, if we're getting that detailed about the clothes, it's not because, and then they opened his wallet. Uh, (laughs) Correct. In fact, they did open his wallet, the police who were investigating this death, and found that it looked like his wallet was worn in ways that you could tell there used to be things in it, but there weren't Mm -hmm. things in it anymore. I mean, I'm not putting down the forensics of the 1982 Boise police force, but I think he didn't carry around an empty wallet usually is probably a reasonable inference. (laughs) 
<laughs> you might, you're not going to eat those words, but you're going to change your tune just the slightest amount when what I say is next they search his pockets and they found $1,900 in cash along with a typewritten note. That does not change my assessment of the idea that if you find a wallet in a dead body's pocket, you can assume that there used to be something in there and they're not carrying it around because they like having one butt cheek slightly higher than the other when they sit on chairs. You just start to feel unbalanced, you know, if you take yeah. that wallet out and you it's drive not, around I mean, without it. I've never it. put a single thing in it my whole life. <laughs> I, I just makes me feel grown up. Me, do you remember having a wallet as a child and you would, you would get like your parents used up gift cards or whatever to put in <laughs> it to make you feel like you had something? I did anyway. Well, as I said, in his pockets, police found $1,900 in cash and a typed note. The note said, In the event of my death, the enclosed currency should give more than adequate compensation for my funeral or disposal, preferred to be cremated expenditures. Well, then you shouldn't have gone into a Catholic. (laughs) (laughs) That'll come up, let me. (laughs) (laughs) Let me assure you that'll come up. Yeah. What is left over, please take this as a contribution to this church. God will see to your honesty in this. And it was signed, William, just W-M-L, Toomey, T-O-O-M-E-Y. Okay. The autopsy revealed that William Toomey died by ingesting cyanide capsules. Oh, damn. Okay. And his death was ruled self-inflicted. So he knew that he was... On a real short time frame when he came into that church. That's what we believe. Yes, we being investigators. I don't know what I believe. I still think Bigfoot's real. So I'm, I'm formulating theories, but I'm going to let you tell me more things. I will tell you more things. Um, I just have a few more facts, and then we'll get to theories, which I can't wait to hear yours. Because honestly, I can't come up with much more than what other people have beat me to. Well, lay it on me. So as far as investigators can tell, however, William Toomey doesn't exist. His fingerprints do not return a match in the FBI's database. The name William Toomey didn't return any results either. There's an Olympian that was born in like 1938 that went by Bill Toomey, but it's not this guy. There was no ID in his wallet, as I said. So what police and investigators can go on is this. First of all, he came to a Catholic church to die, so it is assumed he has some kind of positive associations with Catholicism. We also know that he was very tan, but it was winter in Idaho, so investigators assumed that for the period up until his death, he was somewhere else that had a lot of sun. And they assume, again, this somewhere else is the American Southwest Mm -hmm. because of his turquoise bolo tie and his silver belt. belt. Mm -hmm. The tie was unique enough that they thought perhaps they could find answers from the artist who created it. The tie did have a maker's mark on it. A lot of Southwest and native silversmiths stamp the back or they engrave the back of their work with their name. And this one did have the initial P and the last name White, 
you know, back in 1983 or whatever, when they were investigating on this, they couldn't find a turquoise or a silversmith artist working in the American Southwest whose name was P. White. Yeah, I wanted to back up, and if this is something that we're going to touch on later, you can just tell mm-hmm. me to can it for now. But you said the fingerprints don't match any in the national database. But in right. 1982, there wasn't a national database. APHIS didn't come online until 1999. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, I the didn't FBI didn't have something that law enforcement could search. There was no national fingerprint database until much, much later. I've been on a true crime kick. Oh, <laughs> you have been. I wish I had researched that. I wish I had known that to research because the, you know, six articles that I'm reading are just saying his fingerprints were run in the databases and nothing was returned. Yeah, so if they're saying um, the database is in 1982, they're probably so they a lot of jurisdictions had to do it by hand back then, essentially, and they have classification systems so they could narrow it down. But yeah, if they had his fingerprints, they probably would have been able to look at you know people who had been arrested in Boise and that area. Amazing. That, that would have probably been what they they could have done because without the national one it was a huge issue with victims as well yeah. where much like you know i think we can argue that william kind of is a victim of himself and yeah if if they were never arrested and you don't have their fingerprints or you don't you're not the one who has their fingerprints but somebody else does you know in arizona or whatever it might yeah. be kind of out of luck until almost wow. 2000 until almost 2000 oh my gosh well that's fascinating. What I know then is that the databases in which they ran William Toomey's mm-hmm. fingerprints returned no hits. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a database of 1982 is just, they asked. They asked. Janice. Okay, well. <laughs> Jan- <said> Janice. <laughs> <laughs> Janice. Janice didn't have any luck. They did have some luck with the belt buckle. They were able to trace the belt buckle to a gift shop in Arizona that sold oh. these belt buckles, but it stops there. That's that's really tough when all you have is, especially a gift shop, right? It's not like yeah. an art gallery that yeah. only sells three things like that right. a month. Right. Gift shop so somebody could have grabbed it. Oh, yeah. This is at the airport kiosk asking everybody who's bought a Newsweek <laughs> in this quarter. Yeah. Oh, boy. Okay. So they have to expand their search, right? The name's not coming up with anything. The fingerprints, as I now know, are very limited use, but they're not coming up with anything. And I imagine they asked everybody around Boise. Asked everybody around Boise, yes. Okay. Had anybody seen him at any point earlier in the day? No, no. The only point of reference anybody in this story has is when this man walked into the Sacred Heart Church at 445 in the afternoon. We're looking for clues. What what ties this man that the parishioners don't know to this particular church and to die by suicide? Investigation reveals that there is the name of a company that manufactures clothing for priests and nuns that is named Toomey. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So that makes... William Toomey's connection. Yep, Toomey Church Supply. Toomey okay. Church Supply. They're still in business to this day. You can Good for them. find their stuff on Amazon. <laughs> RJ Toomey Clergy Apparel. Yep. Churchsupplies.com. Yep. They got, wow. 
Yeah. You can just buy this stuff. You can just I don't think they card you. Buy the they don't. <laughs> they don't. And I know this because one Halloween, many, 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 many years ago, my dad asked me to take his credit card and buy him a pre-shirt so that he could wear that to court for Halloween. And then <laughs> When he realized they wanted 90 of his American dollars for a one-time joke, he was like, I got enough pleasure out of thinking about it. That's fine. <laughs> that was smart. Yep, we're done with this wow. game. a lot of candles. A <laughs> lot of candles. We finished with the facts, dude. That is it. That's all we know. Uh, this was featured on a 1990 episode of Unsolved Mysteries. It was talked about as potentially having an episode in the 2020 remake of Unsolved Mysteries, but they didn't have an update. Yeah. Those are it. Like, those are the facts we know. But we've got four kind of theories as to who this man could have been based on the few facts we have. The first theory is that the man who called himself William Tooney could have been the person behind the serial murders of several priests in the Southwest the year before Toomey died. There. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Sorry. That was a lot. Yeah. Are you with me? Did you catch yeah. back up? I'm, uh, I'm not laughing at the idea of those crimes for the record, but just the, the absolute hamstring stretch oh, of a yeah. leap yeah. that was involved in getting from point the facts to point this theory. <laughs> I think they stopped and served drinks halfway on the trip between those two points. It was a long one. <laughs> Quite possibly. But, so we've got a guy who went to a Catholic church with a fake name, the assumption is that he's got some kind of tie to Catholicism, some reason for not wanting to be found. Uh, we assume he was in the American Southwest at some time because he has a belt buckle from Arizona, a bolo tie that's in the style of American Southwest turquoise jewelers, and he was tan, right? What happened the year before, like you said, this is a tenuous thread, but it's repeated every time is perhaps this guy did it. What we have are three priests that were murdered within about a year time span that were murdered with similar enough ties among them that people think it could be the work of a serial killer. This is right about the time that the first allegations of sex abuse was happening within the Catholic Church. So the first thought of investigators were that these priests were being targeted by someone who disliked the Catholic Church, who had some kind of beef because of these allegations that were coming up and was killing priests in retaliation for the wrongs of the Catholic Church. But we've got Father Patrick Ryan, who was killed in Odessa, Texas in December 1981. And we've got Father Benjamin Carrier, who was killed November 10th, 1982 in Yuma, Arizona. And between those two, Father Ronaldo Riviera was killed October, excuse me, August 5th or 6th in 1982 in Santa Fe, New Mexico. The connection between all these murders, the big one, is that they are priests, there was no apparent motive to the murders. They weren't robbed. They all took place in a similar time span within a calendar year. 
and they all happened in the Southwest. Coincidentally or not, these similar murders stopped after December 4th, 1982, when William Toomey died. Yeah, that's almost, that. that's the closest piece of logic that I've yeah. seen in this, actually, yeah. which is, you know, we know now that serial killers do not necessarily keep going until they get caught or die. Yeah. But yeah. that's that that's pretty abrupt for somebody who seemed to be not very careful. Doesn't just, it? Yes. Yeah. And yeah. by all accounts, if these priests were murdered because of their connection to the Catholic Church, which was just being brought to the media light for its abuse, scandals only one of these priests was involved in that the other two men would have been collateral damage basically targeted because they were priests not because they had a personal reason to be murdered by someone yeah that's what i was gonna ask is you know is this was there even any connection between these guys or were they just kind of found guilty by association but i guess that kind of Answers it to an extent. Yeah. The weird thing is the first of these murders, Father Patrick Ryan, is considered by Texas police to be solved because there was a young man, uh, a young adult man, who had spent time with Father Patrick Ryan the day he was murdered. He was too far away geographically from Father Ryan it's verified that he drove from that place to another place and then back. And it's verified that he got to this place that was far away enough that during the time span the murder could have taken place, this other man could not have actually murdered Father Ryan. However, he was gay and he was a person of color. Mm, Okay. So when he came in 10 days later after being kind of cleared by police of any suspicion of wrongdoing, when he came in and in an upset mental state confessed and then immediately recanted, they still put him on trial. He was still found guilty and sentenced to 20 years in prison. I really have it out for the story for some reason. Yeah. But can I can I poke another small hole in this? Oh please. The issue of child sexual abuse by Roman Catholic clergy didn't kick off in 1982 it was not until several years later that it first started becoming a a topic of national conversation 1985 is the first first time they tried a priest for this and it got brought to national attention and then a couple of books came out in the 90s is what wikipedia is telling me well i will have to go look at the medium article i read then on that because again i assumed that that was accurate oh no liz i'm bringing you a thing that's just full of bullshit ouch no well here's here's the the distinction i'll draw is that i don't buy the logic of you know the person who wanted to hurt these guys heard about it in the news and decided to go after them but what we do know is that this is not something that started as an actual behavior in 1985 so to decide to lash out at people over that issue because of you know it affecting you or somebody you cared about or you you heard about it would not be out of the bounds of reason i just don't think that it i just don't necessarily think that 
it's tied to the scandal blowing up, but it could be tied to the thing that the scandal is about. Sure. And maybe I misrepresented the article or misspoke in saying that, but totally agree with you. No, well, here's here's the thing is, as so to recap, because I don't remember after five years whether I've ever talked about this. So I was raised by parents who were sort of relatively lapsed Catholics, Catholic on both sides of my family. And then after various, you know, paths that I explored, actually converted to Roman Catholicism Mm -hmm. in college Mm -hmm. as an adult. And, you know, I, the church as a whole, I have extraordinarily mixed feelings about. I've since Mm -hmm. converted to Moravianism when I got married to Matt. It's a whole thing. Uh, The Pope resigned a couple days later. I'm just saying. Uh, He's really torn up about this. He's really having a hard time with it. I would have been too. As a result, I have this weird mix of a couple years in the 2000s of very intense participation mm-hmm. in in the daily life of a Catholic church, which albeit was like a Portland church. So yeah. very fuzzy woo-woo, very relaxed relative to a lot of Catholic churches, even in Boise today, I imagine. But also was raised, you know, one of my great aunts was a nun. My grandparents were were their funerals were in Catholic churches, mm-hmm. my parents were married in the church, et cetera, and so forth. So the the cultural Catholicism is also a piece. And this guy, this guy doesn't vibe to me as somebody who is involved in the church at this point in his life. Yeah. Like you you expressed it as, you know, he found comfort in it. And there's a couple interpretations of that for me. One could just be, you know, this was something he was raised with mm-hmm. and he didn't keep it up so he's less familiar with it yeah. but i don't know how they did things in boise in the 1980s but in post-vatican II catholicism in america for the most part what you see on tv and in movies of there's a confession booth and you just go in there and talk to somebody who's hanging out yeah this is a hollywood thing yeah I've actually never made confession, but had I decided to do that while I was a practicing Catholic, it would have been a one-on-one conversation with the priest Mm -hmm. in his office. It is not meant to be a conversation that you is the first conversation you've ever had with this faith leader. (laughs) Yes. So that's one piece of this that makes me go, okay, he thought it worked like it did in the movies, and it doesn't work like that. And I would assume that he would know that. If he were a regular churchgoer, yes. although you could just as easily explain it as, you know, at the church he used to go to in Santa Fe, they mm-hmm. always were ready to take confession before mm-hmm. 6 p.m. mass. Mm-hmm. That could be it. So these days, there is no official prohibition of memorial masses and funeral rites and burial for people who take their own lives. Okay. But traditionally, yeah. you could not be – like, you were outside of the church if yeah. you did that. Like, the whole, you know, suicide corner in a graveyard thing. Yeah. To, to go, I'm going to take cyanide and go into this church. Yeah. I'm like, that's not the most thoughtful plan. Mm-hmm. The third thing that makes me go, okay, I'm not sure this is right, is that – you wouldn't ask for confession. You would ask for last rites, which is a completely different sacrament. Okay, That yeah. incorporates an element of confession. But, like, confession, again, like, this is a, 
Confession is not like a, a one-time thing that you do and then you're clean and then you run off. I mean, yeah. I think it kind of got culturally encoded as that, especially with kids. But Absolutely, it did. I don't know. This this guy just doesn't seem like he relates to the rituals of this specific faith in mm-hmm. a way that indicates he's familiar with them. Right. Would you yeah. and the cremation request is part of that as well, right? Yeah, yeah. It is only so again, culturally still pretty taboo. I think it is something that it's really gonna depend on the parish. It's okay, gonna yeah. depend on how conservative they are. And, and stuff like that. Yeah. But in general, it was something that Catholics were strongly against for a very long time. And by a very long time, I mean, like, when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. Not, not a thing. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't, that does not track for me. Yeah. All of those things that you just said totally wipe the slate for the second theory that gets tossed around mm. a lot, which is that... Toomey himself was at one time a priest and came to the Sacred Heart Church to die because he still felt comfort in the church. Again, why people would think that other than he gave the name for himself as the name of a company that made garb for priests and also came to a Catholic church is beyond me. I I prefer the very first theory to this one that seems even more divorced from the idea. Do not, I do not care for this. He was a priest theory. If he was a priest, he was having serious problems remembering how to do it. (laughs) Haven't we all had those days at work? Yeah, that's true. Fighting for his life in Excel. He knows. the, the, The Southwest thing as well is emphasized so heavily, but like, Idaho shares a border with Nevada. Oh, Idaho, yeah. Like, South Idaho is not that far from the Southwest. Yeah. It's not a big difference, and Boise is even on the South End. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it's definitely an outfit choice that you would find in Spokane, Washington today and not have it be out of place. Not Uh, at all. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah. Okay, so we don't like theory number one. We Don't like theory number two. How do you feel about the theory that William Toomey may be the person behind the infamous Tylenol murders? No. (laughs) It's just as tenuous a theory. (laughs) For a while, there was a thought that perhaps he could have been behind the Tylenol murders because... And the Tylenol murders were about two months before Toomey's death, and that was seven people in Chicago died after taking Tylenol that had been laced with cyanide, which is what Toomey died from, right? So that's the connection. One is that he died from cyanide, as these people did. The connection, two, is that one of the bottling plants that these laced Tylenol pills could be traced back to was in Texas, which is in the Southwest. But they weren't tampered with in the factories. They were tampered with on the shelves in Chicago. Well, there you go. (laughs) So I actually, one of the case studies that I do in class is the FDA, and this was a huge change 
to how the FDA and how especially Johnson and Johnson responded mm-hmm. to. I mean, these were like, do you remember these from the eighties? Like the clear capsules, and then they have little grains inside. Yeah, that's what these were, and there yeah. were no no tamper seals on drugs oh, in those days. Amazing. This is why we have tamper seals on drugs is because of this case. Yep. So all the guy had to do was take them off the shelf, take the little capsules apart. It's like those little gelatin mm-hmm. capsules that you can get at a health food store mm-hmm. and make your own. Take it apart, swap in the cyanide, close them, and then put them back on the shelf and people bought them at the drug stores. That's like the worst dime store prize capsule. That's awful. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah. Uh, uh, like, couldn't you have like swapped some of them out with those dinosaurs that get yeah. big when you put them in water? They get big when you put that them in be, water. I mean, don't swallow no. those, but no. that would be kind of a fun surprise. Way more <laughs> fun. Like, yeah. Absolutely. Dinosaur. Way more fun. <laughs> I had read about the Tylenol murders, though, that like Johnson & Johnson recalled all 31 million bottles that they had in circulation at the time, and that some guy died in like 1984 because they hadn't followed the uh recall oh wow so they still had a a a bottle on a shelf at home mostly i know about the tylenol murders i didn't know the fda part clearly i knew it just because it was like a it's an example in marketing of like how do you bring your brand back from that because oh, this is so funny that we both have this is like have it a is work thing very very separate but work things, yeah, because it's one of those, especially, like you said, it didn't happen at the bottling facility, so it's not Tylenol's fault, and yet people are going to blame Tylenol. Yeah, I mean, it's called the Tylenol murders. It's called the Tylenol, uh, ty- yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. in there. I'm very perturbed by the choice of cyanide. I guess I don't want to like spin us into a whole discussion about methods, and it sounds like it was pretty peaceful, when he went. Must but, have been. I mean, not to stereotype, but just statistically, that is unusual for a man. That is, yes. poison is much more common as a method for women, statistically speaking. And yes. I mean, this does not vibe as a guy who did not have access to a gun. So, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. yes to stereotype. I was going to say not to stereotype. Yes to stereotype. Yes to stereotype. with 100 yeah. peso belts in Idaho uh-huh. in 1982. Uh-huh. And, you know, bolo ties with turquoise. Yeah. Like, yeah. if he didn't have one, he knew somebody who did. Yeah. I'm like, where do you, well, I guess you could get cyanide, obviously. Yeah. People have always been able to get their hands on cyanide. Yeah. Less so over time, but hmm. I don't know anything about cyanide other than the, like, that's what's in your tooth is a spy. You have a cyanide tooth to bite down on in case the enemy gets you. That's it. That's all I know about it. It's the one that smells like bitter almonds to some people. Okay. One of the things with it is that it's actually a useful chemical for certain applications, so it's never going to be completely gone. But yeah, where would this guy have gotten cyanide. Mm -hmm. That's an odd way to do it in an odd story. All of it is odd. I don't know why he made, I mean, nobody does or the case would be solved, but why did he make the choices that he made? Mm -hmm. You know, why the Catholic church, why the fake name, why the asking for cremation in a Catholic church, why going under the idea that you were going to have your confession heard, but dying before it could be heard. 
let's see. So his note didn't specifically mention the church. So he already thought about going into a church, a probably church. this church. And, but he was not able, you know, he was already dying. So he couldn't even make it through mass. I almost wonder if he didn't know what would be going on in the church. He probably thought they just hung out waiting to take confession and didn't know that there would be an evening service at all. Yeah, just hung out or didn't know how long cyanide (laughs) took to, uh, there's no internet to Google it on. How long does this take to kill a person? So maybe he thought he could make it You're not going to know how to dose it. What day did you say this was? December? This was December 4th, 1982. And his note doesn't say, if you have found this, it's just in the event of my death, this money is, you know, enough to bury me with. Use the rest as a contribution to this church. Oh, okay. So December 4th, 1982 is a Saturday. So he came during Advent, which is like December before Christmas is a busy time in the church. <laughs> so yeah, no wonder. I was like, why would there why was there an evening service he didn't know about? Well, it was Advent. It was the Saturday before the first Sunday of Advent. Oh so no wow. Wonder. Look at you yeah. knowing so much you should have done this episode because you would have made it a lot longer with very specific Catholic and Tylenol information that I don't know. I'm glad that it came in handy because the last time I used it was just to spot that there was a problem with the priest in Midnight Mass. <laughs> so wearing a very fancy outfit in ordinary time. And I'm like, that's not an ordinary time outfit. And then like 10 minutes later, the heinous bitch character is like, Father, why were you so dressed oh. <laughs> Sunday in ordinary time? And I'm like, well, she has a point. She has a point. <laughs> Gosh darn it. That's your going out boots and you're staying home today. Okay. So we have, let's go over. Okay. We so have, there was the killed priests. Theory, yes. There was a priest theory. Yeah. The Tylenol, Tylenol murders theory. theory. And you have a fourth one. The fourth theory isn't so much a theory as an observation on his name. People have speculated, was he doing a play on words with the nickname for William is Bill. And so his... Oh, Bill to me. Yeah, Bill to me. And he provided enough money for his burial. <laughs> he went... Okay, 93-year-old Grace who finds me. You're going to be so excited by this tiny wordplay I've put in here. This stupid tiny wordplay that you probably won't even read the letter, so you'll actually never yeah. know about. I'm just going to wreck your with... advent by dying yeah. before you your gotta... service. And you're going to have to think of a nickname for me to even get yep. this joke in the first place. Yep. And also, oops, by the way, I put my middle initial, which ruins it. Which totally ruins it. Bill L. to me. Bilal. Yeah. Bilal. Bilal. William L. William Alalal. This is nothing. Nope. It's nothing. nothing. Okay. Here here are some of the other theories by which I mean like the plausible explanations for what happened. Okay. Right? We need to sit th- with those for a minute. Yes. Because uh, this is one where my my theories are less wild. Than I, your theories are probably a lot closer to the truth because of it. What if his handwriting was bad? It was typed. Why does written. everybody? Oh, it, he typed it. Yeah. Okay. He typed. He even the signature. 
That's God damn it, Liz. Now I'm gaslighting myself. I'm I'm rethinking <laughs> literally everything I read about this because I would have assured you that these articles that I was sourcing that I thought were pretty legit had said so many things that you're like, well, that's fucking fake. Bullshit. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Typewritten, including his signature? I, I don't know. Did it actually say including signature, or did it just say typewritten and he signed it, William L. Toomey? I don't know anymore. I don't know anything anymore. <laughs> I'm going to open these up and we're going to find out together, I guess. Okay, so what unresolved, un, what unsolved mysteries apparently said via this Medium article is that it was a typed out suicide note and the note was signed with the name William L. Toomey. Signed with the name William L. Toomey. Okay. Of the options, I feel like a guy dying from cyanide having bad handwriting. When uh, How many signatures do you look at in a day and you know what the hell they were trying to say beyond a shadow of a doubt? I can't verify that it's my own handwriting that I'm looking at most <laughs> of the time. <sighs> This other article that I am reading doesn't say signed. It just says referred to himself as. Could be something else. Maybe his last name is... Fumi. Fumi. <laughs> Toey. Fumi <laughs> for thinking this was a good article to bring you. I'm just... There's a lot to, to pick on and pick apart. And yeah, I just... Hmm. I tend to think... This just sounds like one where he slipped through the cracks of the system they had. Yeah. And if we could reinvestigate it with the resources we have now, 40 years later, mm-hmm. then I, I think it would be much more solvable. Yeah. Yeah. But it's so odd to just, I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying that the suicide part is okay, but in terms of ways to go, it's he doesn't seem to have been distressed. Right. And he seems to have been sort of just, you know, waiting patiently. Right. I'm, I'm sure if he was reacting as though he was in significant pain, people would have noticed that yeah. he was just sitting quietly yeah. in a church where he felt like his plans were sorted out. Yeah. So, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Why go there? Why? I, I assume Boise must have had a significance to him. Because it's not like he was out of money and couldn't go any further. Right, right. The Catholic churches are very, very prevalent. And, you know, it's like a fifth of the American population or something. Like you will, if there are churches in the town, unless it's like the Deep South, you will probably find a Catholic church. Yeah. My feeling was more in line with that, that Boise seemed, I I just guess, that Boise had more of a significance than a Catholic church in particular. Mm -hmm. Because in his note, it just says this church. You know, it doesn't refer to the name of that church. It feels like that could have been any place of worship that gave him a moment of respite. Yeah, or maybe, you know, he had been to a wedding there once, or somebody who was important to him, their funeral was there. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like they focused on the Catholic part, and they should have focused on the Boise part. Yeah, yeah. It seems like things didn't go according to plan once he got in the church, but... I feel like I just have the sense that things were going according to plan up to that point Mm. until they weren't ready to take his confession. I think he was, I don't see any indication that he was not doing what he was trying to do when he started writing that note. Yeah. 
Yeah. He typed it, though. Typed so it. So where so was he living? Yeah. Because it's not like if he had just, you know, ridden a train into town or hitchhiked with something, with somebody, or or even driven his own car that he was living yeah. in. I, I suppose you could keep a typewriter in your car if you were living in it, or you could travel with a typewriter. But I feel like with a case this unusual, somebody in Boise would have been like, oh, that guy from room four in my motel yeah, totally. hasn't paid his bill in yeah. a week, and his typewriter is still here. Yeah, totally. Totally. The typewriter part is weird. Straight out of a you know Wes Anderson film, he's got this typewriter sitting in front of a window with a perfectly water-stained wallpaper behind him it's very very iconic but you should probably come pick it up because i want to rent this room to somebody else where's the rest of his stuff he's he's dressed fairly well it sounds like he was was clean clean. shaven Mm -hmm. you know had worked outside but his hair was cut his face was shaven yeah his clothes were clean he sounds like he was dressed you know fairly nicely yeah within kind of that casual western yeah style yeah so where's the rest of his stuff? Yeah, where's, where's his razor? Yeah. Where's the clothes that he slept in? Yeah. Where's, the, where's everything else? I'm so curious because I want to know, were there trash cans outside of the church? Were they combed to look for ID because his wallet appears to have mm-hmm. up until entering the church, you know, or recently had stuff in it that made indentations? Was there an abandoned car that ended up yeah. at a tow lot sometime around Christmas that could have been his. Could you go to a library and use a typewriter at that time the way we can use computers now? I don't know. I don't know. What a good question. Yeah, know. was there some place in Boise that he would have been able to I mean, I know that when typewriters are more widely for sale, you could actually type test pages, yeah. right? Like that's Yeah, you would you would type out a little sentence and test out the typewriter. Yeah. So, it's possible if somebody was selling one, he could have done that, yeah. I guess. And then just, you know, grabbed a pen or typed his own name. Mm-hmm. It just seems very odd because he he was not other than mentally at the end of his rope. Like, he was not out of money. Yeah. He was not clearly, you know, homeless or or overwhelmed. Yeah, you in know, distress. Living someplace where he couldn't get clean clothes and, and a razor and stuff. Yeah. So that's just yeah. odd because you don't. Either you're getting that from somebody else who should notice that you went somewhere or you're taking care of it yourself, in which case it's all still there. Mm -hmm. But now I'm picturing, you know, because it doesn't feel like foul play. No. He would have said something, probably, maybe not, but that's a lot of money to leave on somebody. This really, but I could see another person being involved who he had talked to. And it handed over, you know, maybe the rest of his money if he had taken out his life savings, you know, the rest of his money and his IDs. Maybe they wanted a new identity, Mm -hmm. although I guess they presumably, you know, if somebody showed up calling themselves William Toomey now. Yeah. I guess it would depend on where you go. I wouldn't raise an eyebrow at that. No, neither would (laughs) I. Neither would I. I. I would now, but... I don't know. I, <laughs> or maybe it just went in the river, but now I'm interested in the idea of somebody who is somebody who needs a ending and somebody who needs a beginning yeah. and stuff just kind of getting traded off yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know either. And it's an interesting story, but yeah, I don't vibe with any of the theories that are out there. Mm-hmm. 
This feels like one where his name is out there and we just don't, we haven't brought the right pieces together. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. whether it would be genetic genealogy or just the story being better known. Yeah. I'm not always a fan of tracking down people who wanted to be anonymous. Yeah. But in this case, I don't know. I would have to see it. And I'm sure nobody, you know, conveniently scanned that note for us yeah. or anything. But I I feel like there was an attempt to identify himself, right? Like he was trying to be organized. Yeah. And something slipped through the cracks. And I wonder if, if that's something that we could retrieve at some point. But... That's so odd. Yeah, that's a great question. Did the notes survive? Could somebody else look at it? You know, we've got yeah. just as far as I know, as far as I have come across, is one forensic sketch of him. I'm sure it looks like every guy. Oh, it looks you know? absolutely like every every slightly overweight, blonde, 30-year-old man, you know, in, in middle America. Huh. Wouldn't it be wild if... I don't know. Let's take the suicide part out of it, but just the, you know, suddenly you are dead. Mm-hmm. And what if you had, what if he was from like France? Well, yeah. And had just yeah. like toured through the Southwest and really liked the style yeah. and bought himself a new outfit. Yeah. You know, do, I, I worry about that when I think about Pompeii because. Oh, no, you're right. What if, you know, just whatever you were doing. <gasps> And you're frozen in it. And I know yeah. it's like that thing of, you know, always wear clean underwear in case you get hit by a truck. Yeah. And I'm like, that's going to be the least of my worries. <laughs> but the, the idea of what happens, I mean, sometimes they do threads like that on Unresolved Mysteries yeah. where it's like, what did you do today that people would attribute way too much yep. importance to yep. if you suddenly disappeared? Yep, if you suddenly disappeared, <laughs> correct. You just took a random new place to work today because the sun was in your eyes and you forgot your turn off, but everybody's going to be like, ah, they were they were off to meet their paramour. They must have been having an, an yeah. illicit arrangement with someone. Oh my God, maybe they were meeting somebody to do drugs or be trafficked yeah. or yeah. Da, 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 da. It's like, no, I literally spaced out and started driving to my old house. Yep. Correct. I, just, I didn't know. I Co- got lost, okay? Correct. I drove this way this morning and decided, you know what? Save that $6.95. You don't need a Starbucks. So I took a weird way to get to the freeway. <laughs> I wasn't wearing underwear because halfway through the day, I decided there was too much sensory overload on my body. Has, n- there you, go. you know, yeah. nothing nefarious. I. Got to pet some cool dog I found on the side of the road. And that's why there's unknown dog hair on my mm-hmm. pants. Because I found a stray and it was exciting. Oh, God. And God forbid these days they can look at, like, your Google searches. <laughs> no, God, please don't. Please never. I, I'm going to, I, yeah. I want to look now. Mine are so many. Today. What song goes like, do, 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 do. You know, it's not Blackpink's. Did it? Did it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Easy, I got that it. one. You knew it. Uh, well, let's see. So, alone, if I died right now, oh, wow. let's see. What day of the week was December fourth, nineteen eighty-two? Cyanide poisoning, <laughs> potassium cyanide, Chicago Tylenol murders, Tylenol murders, Boise seal of confession of the Catholic Church. <laughs> and I can go back a little more. I appear to be trying to buy priest clothing. Yeah. 
Oh, this is just a bunch of Googles about Stardew Valley. Oh, no. <laughs> Synonym for limitation. I was writing a results section. Okay. Too many pumpkins. Stardew Valley Forum. <laughs> Too many pumpkins. <laughs> Too many pumpkins. <laughs> yeah, seriously. It's just like Stardew Valley questions, work stuff, and me trying to figure out whether words mean what I think they mean. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> You've got me going through mine, and if we discount all of the William Toomey, apparently at this point in my day, between 5 p.m. and 6.20 p.m., I really wanted a fucking crumble cookie because I googled it three goddamn times. Crumble, crumble cookie, crumble menu, crumble near me. Then, Rebecca, novel, magic pie bush, one foot on the gas, one foot in the grave, lyrics. Uh, Alien. Cute alien. Alien with cute face. Alien with plain background. Happy alien. Free alien for Shutterstock. Penguin fitted with special orthopedic shoe. And then I was researching. We go back into William Toomey stuff. (laughs) Apple maggot quarantine. Apple maggot quarantine. (laughs) Do chickens eat grass? Like, I know they kind of do, but they don't necessarily. Oh, yeah, 30 to 50 feral hogs. Van Halen. (laughs) Tilmapia. Stardew. Washington sea creature. Washington coast sea creature. Washington coast sea creature with segmented shell. Because I was trying to find a specific one to show. I was looking for a a chitin. A C-H-I-T-O-N. Nope. Nope. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay, well, we're just going to have to live for a while because this is too embarrassing and hard to put into a coherent theory. And we're going to end up like poor William Toomey. Poor William Toomey. Who's trying to make things very straightforward and just needed better handwriting or more information. Okay, wait, I have one more question, Okay. Why would you get rid of your ID but sign your name? Great question. That because it's a fake name, Liz, because he intentionally smudged the letters to make you feel like oh I don't need to look. I don't know why. Why wouldn't you just be like, hey, what's up? Anonymous. Sign it anon. Because you would confuse 13-year-old Devin who was Googling poetry or inspirational phrases and was like, wow, I wonder who this anon person is. (laughs) Wow, they've written a lot of stuff. We have so many interesting quotes. So many interesting quotes. That's really cute. Ban a breadth of topics. Yeah. Wow. I guess maybe his ID had his home address on it. But again, if you try, I guess, was he trying to be identified or not? Was he or not? I I don't know. Because if you want them to bury you, and you want a tombstone, you should write your name clearly. You should print it in capital mm-hmm. letters. Yep. Clearly, like you're filling out a form. Yep. At the DMV or something. You were correct. Well, I I hope that his last name really was Toomey, or that's how he meant to spell it, because that's all that's on his grave, is just the Fair word Toomey. Okay, they didn't even give him the date. I guess they couldn't do the first date, so having the second date without it was kind of weird. Yeah, party goes from question mark until midnight. <laughs> you don't usually do it in that order. It's reverse. <laughs> but his tombstone, you say? He does have a tombstone. It's a very small... Girl, I don't know what kind of funeral $1,900 bought you in 1982, but 
apparently not much of one because his tombstone looks to be about the size of a brick made out of that weird concrete conglomerate has to me just kind of like mash sketched into it. And he's in a small cemetery in Eagle, Idaho. So not even Boise. Huh. Poor buddy. He did get a funeral at the Sacred Heart Church. Okay. Yeah. Huh. But our, this is just all a lot to think about. So okay. much to Lean think about. To me. Grave. Oh, okay. Now I'm looking at this. Yeah. Wow. No, that look. I my my dead chickens have better tombstones than that. I'm really sorry. <laughs> I know. Isn't that just? Come on now. For 1,900 bucks, yo. You well, can do I mean, better than that. If you wanted a whole funeral service and presumably a coffin and da, 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 I don't know. Yeah. To me. Huh. All right. Well, there I you mean, go. There you go, huh. Liz. That is the uh, Far From Home episode that I have to bring you. Because as far as we can tell, Mr. Toomey wasn't from here, but he is laid to rest here. So that, that makes him one of us. Well, I, I hope that being in Eagle, Idaho mm-hmm. was what he had in mind. I'm sure it's beautiful. Thank you for sharing all of your all of your great new knowledge that could have just debunked literally everything I read. Here's the thing, though, is I feel like if people wanted to just get the standard version of the story, there's a different podcast out there for that. Oh, yeah. Like, there's a lot of podcasts for just, and here's what people think. <laughs> and what we really bring to the table is hyper-focusing uh-huh. on the bullshit of it all love this i like to think about this stuff critically and i think i'm not the only one so no this you're is not a lot to chew on we're gonna speed run the socials my loves because you know where to find us we're on facebook we're on instagram we're on twitter we are on our website but occasionally <laughs> occasionally on all of those i'm reviving the instagram so come join me over there cool we are we have our website. We have Etsy. We've got a Patreon if you want to throw a coin to your witches. We're right there for that. <laughs> but also, we just want you to come hang out with us when we do what we do, which is these episodes. I'm super excited about this new season. I can't wait to hear what Liz tells me next. Now we've had two in a row where we really shredded them and we're like, this is not track. So I think my mission for the next thing I bring you is I want something that I believe. I want to bring you something that I think possibly happened. Okay. Yeah. That's my, that's my goal for myself. This is a very good goal to have. Okay. Um, Mm -hmm. my next one, I'm going to stretch myself. It's not going to be an animal. All right. Which was this time (laughs) stretching myself, but we see how that went for me. So next time, (laughs) we'll stretch myself in a direction that I feel a little more confident in, yet is not a creature, an animal. Sweet. If you want to brainstorm with me, we can do that. I like that. Not right now. No. No. Right now. We've got other things to do, which are, we want you to live weird. Die weird. And stay weird, my friends. Thank you for listening. Thank you.